The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In It Together with Lori Lynn Green. You can live life on your terms at home, work, play, and in the community. Join Lori and industry leaders as they share practical insights with you so you can reach your goals and enjoy your life. Here's your host, Lori Lynn Green. Welcome to the In It Together show. This is Lori Lynn Green. If you want to find us on the web, you can go to inittogether.net and go to the international show menu. There's a player there so that you can listen to previous shows. You can like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook there. Uh, I, my co-host today is is Lynn Heil, not Lynn Heil, it's Lynn Nato. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lynn Nato, say hi. Good morning. And uh, our special, very special guest, who I'm very honored to introduce to you, is Dr. Lynn Hiles, the author of Unforced Rhythms of Grace. He is also an international, um, internationally known for his show called that you might have life, I believe, on the TBN channel. Um, he's authored many books. He has been uh, up in our area in New Hampshire for, I would say, over 20-some-odd years as one of the very, very vital foundational voices of our local um, congregational church, our local church. And he has probably single-handedly I would say, with obviously the help of God, <laughs> he has single-handedly uh, laid a foundation in our in our body that has been life-changing. Um, I I think, Lynn, I just have to say thank you for your faithfulness to uh, to our church and coming to share these foundational things that have molded who we are as a people and how we can go out in the world like, you know, have a radio show worldwide as, as you have a, a TV show worldwide and begin to tear down old mindsets, you know, that people have uh, about having to qualify somehow to be in good terms with God. And you, you're so great on shedding light on how uh, his rest and his peace is completely uh, a different way of looking at things, but it's really the way he really is. Absolutely. So I was, you know, I'm hoping that you can, um, you know, shed some light on that from someone who may not even understand, you know, what grace is and, and you know, in, I guess you could say, is opposite of how a lot of, a lot of the world views God. You know, you talk about him, you know, the world views him as sometimes being an angry God out to get you, but you're, you know, the way that you talk about him is a more loving father. Um, so please take take the liberty. Uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of places you can start, but, you know, uh, take the liberty and, and go ahead and get started. Okay. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on. And, uh, you know, uh, actually our television program is broadcast on the church channel, which is TBN's second largest market. It's not the uh, okay. flagship TBN, but it is the church channel, which airs, uh, 
you know, on Fridays uh, in the East Coast at 12.30 p.m., and then they give us a bonus run usually on Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. But, uh, you know, one of the things that really I think the the best place to start in understanding that, uh, what some of the things that you were saying is that the first thing is, you know, uh, as you said, you know, one of the things that people have a perception of God because they don't understand the covenants, that God is an angry God, and they, they, they take that because of their understanding of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, and, uh, uh, you know, they see the wrathful things that God did, and, and uh, you know, it's almost like it's hard for them to kind of reconcile that, but, you know, what, what it is is there's a difference, and, and you know, amazingly enough, Lori, uh, you know, most people uh, think that the New Covenant or the New Testament, which is really, uh, you know, actually the New Covenant, is they think it is an addendum to the old one. It's Jesus plus the law or the old covenant, when the new covenant is absolutely a completely different covenant. And, uh, you know, uh, the inspiration to write the book, Unforced Rhythms of Grace, you know, came to me from uh, the Message Bible uh, in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus, uh, you know, in the King James Version says, uh, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Uh, but if you read that in the Message Bible translation, it says it like this. It says, uh, Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. I will teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. And so the inspiration to write that book uh, came from that text. Uh, when Jesus was actually sharing that, he was not necessarily talking to, uh, like, drug dealers or prostitutes or what we would call out-and-out sinners. Uh, he was talking to people who had been in religion their whole lives. And, you know, I think sometimes, Lori, the, uh, you know, it's easier to get people delivered from substance abuse than it is to get them delivered from religion. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Because, you know, uh, there's such a fear that goes with it. But, uh, you know, when you begin to understand that in the New Covenant, what the first thing that I think that is key, with it is to realize that the reason God is no longer angry with us is because that, uh, you know, he laid on, you know, when Jesus came uh, and he was crucified, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, he, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement so I can have peace was laid on him by whose stripes were healed. It goes on to say that we all like sheep, every one of us have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it tells us in that chapter as well that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. In other words, every requirement that the old covenant could make for the sin of the people, Jesus became that perfect once-for-all sacrifice, uh, and he became the uh, total uh, uh, sacrifice for every, every, in other words, he, I, I like to say it like this, he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. I like to say it like this, he took what I had coming so I could get what he has coming. You know, and, and that's uh, that's really a big concept that people have a really difficult time understanding. You know, they come in in the mindset that they have to do something that mm-hmm. isn't already done. And and so I love this perspective because it really shows the true heart of the Father is, is not to put anything on us, lay anything ill-fitting on us. You know, mm-hmm. that's otherwise, why do we need Jesus, right? Exactly. And that's what, you know, I, I started thinking that because, you know, what happens is, is that we made it all about rules. And then, you know, the whole purpose, you know, when people talk to me a lot of times about, well, you know, you guys are preaching 
um, antinomianism, which is a term that means that we hate the law, which is not true. We're not haters of the law. But the Apostle Paul said, you know, to Timothy, when he, he said the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. And right. then he tells Timothy the proper way to use the law. He said the law is not for the righteous, it's for the sinner. It's for the ungodly, for the murderer, and the uh, and, he, and he lists a bunch of things there. But mm-hmm. the thing that, uh, you know, that the New Testament lays out, I think, in great detail, is that righteousness under the Old Covenant was performance-based. It was what you did to qualify. In the New Covenant, righteousness is a gift. And, and you know, I, I, when I'm preaching this, a lot of times I'll say, touch your neighbor and say, what part of gift don't you understand? You know, in other words, when somebody gives you a gift, you don't pay for it. Uh, you've been uh, around people who you give them something and they just can't seem to hardly receive it. They're like, well, what do I owe you? And, you know, they're trying to pay you for it. And I think that's where Christians have been and not understanding that the gift that says, you know, the Scripture says because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So uh, if, the, if, if, if that's true, then that means I'm righteous based on a gift. So right. if I'm righteous based on a gift, then I'm not under law. Matter of fact, you know, uh, three-quarters of the New Testament is written to tell you that you're not under law, but you're under grace. And uh, then the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 and 2, what he does is, if you've ever read Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2, uh, he indicts everything and everybody, and, and the reason he does, a lot of times if you get that and you just read chapter 1 or 2, you're going to get real condemned and feel, uh, you know, like, well, I'm just disqualified. And that's the whole point of the law. The whole point of the law in Romans chapter 1 and 2 and even into chapter 3 is he gave the law so that he would conclude all under sin so he could have mercy on all. In other words, he, give, he, he the purpose of the law was to bring you to the end of yourself where you realize, I need a Savior. And uh, the law is designed to bring you to Christ because the end of the law is there is none righteous, no, not even one. Not even Moses, the mediator of that covenant, made it in uh, by the works of the law. God was trying to show us that it had to be by the hearing of faith. So, you know, uh, when we realize that it's not works-based, but that this righteousness that we have is a free gift, and we reign in life because of, of this righteousness, then we, we, you know, and then, of course, what happens, people say, well, you know, if you don't have the law, then what do you have? Well, what replaces the law is the governor of the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. He gives us in the New Covenant, I always say it like right. this, uh, the Gospel's not about a law you have to keep, it's about receiving a life that will keep you, you know. It's, it's not a, about and a bunch of rules. It's yep. about a relationship. And so when I think Jesus was saying to these, uh, these you know, religious folks, when he says to them, uh, you know, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Or he says it in King James, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He was talking about bringing them into a rest that wasn't making them, I would say, spiritual couch potatoes, but he was bringing them into a rest where their confidence is now no longer in their own ability to produce this, but in the power of the Spirit working within them uh, to do the works that he, that he called them to do. You know? And, I, and you know, one of the things I think, I don't know if I ever demonstrated it when I was in New Hampshire or not, but I always like to you know, call three people forward. And I usually have one of them uh, you know, represents a high priest, and the other represents you know, a lamb, of sacrifice, and the other one represented a sinner. And uh, the old covenant pattern of sacrifice was that if the sinner 
wanted to get to God, he couldn't get to God because without the shedding of blood, there's not any remission of sin. So he would have to approach God on the basis of the blood of his lamb. And so he would bring his lamb and he would come to the high priest. He would lay his hands on the head of that lamb and confess his sin and identify with that lamb. And then he would hand the lamb to the high priest and the high priest then would uh, uh, would would sacrifice, or he the high priest then would you know of course examine the lamb, and uh, you know I'd have I always when I have do this example I have the person hand the high priest the lamb and you know look the lamb over and examine the lamb and look at it closely because you know even Jesus who was the true Lamb of God was examined by Pilate he was examined by the high priest uh, and they declared him to be a spotless lamb especially Pilate who said this man is innocent blood. But well, the thing that I usually point out that I think is so powerful is that the sinner is never examined. But that's who we examine every Sunday uh, in the American churches. We examine the sinner rather than examining the lamb. And the basis of our acceptance is not on the basis of how spotless we are. It's on the basis of how spotless our lamb was and whether or not our high priest accepted the sacrifice. Man, and so, I'll you tell know, you, our that approach is... to God in the new covenant is based on his yeah. sacrifice and his redemptive work. Go ahead. That is the good news. Now, yeah. this seg- this segment's almost over, and we'll be taking a commercial break in about 30 seconds, but... I'll tell you, that is the good news right there, that it isn't dependent upon us. And and I, I encourage you to listen to Dr. Heil's show. Uh, he'll give you more of that information at the end of the broadcast. We'll be back right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to the Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com 
Welcome back to In It Together with Lori Lynn Green. Call during our live broadcast with questions or comments at our toll-free number, 1-866-472-5788, or email Lori anytime at info at laurielynngreen.com. Here's your host, Lori Lynn Green. Hi, welcome back to In It Together. We've been listening to Dr. Lynn Hiles, uh, author of the Unforced Rhythms of Grace and also the host of the international show that you might have life. Uh, what a blessing that you've been sharing with us that uh, our relationship or walk with God isn't relying upon what we can do. So, Dr. Hiles, please continue what you've been talking about. Okay. Well, we were, you know, before the week cut away for the um, commercial, we were talking about, you know, under the old covenant, uh, you know, the patterns, and you know, I always say it like this, when you're looking at, at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed. In the New Testament, it's Jesus revealed. He, uh, the Old Covenant is the shadow, while the New Covenant is the substance. But, you know, what what it does is the Old Testament, especially to me, show you pictures of redemption uh, that are, uh, you know, just help us to understand God's redemptive uh, purpose in our lives. And what we were sharing is is that when we, uh, under the Old Covenant, when, when the sinner uh, wanted to approach God, he could not repro- uh, approach God because, uh, you know, of the basis, he couldn't approach a holy God because of his sin, but so the uh, God made a way for them to approach, and that was to bring, uh, if you will, a lamb of sacrifice, and they would bring that lamb to a high priest. And then they would lay their hand on the head of that lamb and confess their sin. And then the high priest would take the lamb and examine the lamb. And he would examine the lamb from the top to the bottom. And the point that I made in the last segment is that uh, the sinner was never examined. It was the lamb that was examined. And even as you see Jesus, who is the true lamb of God, uh, you know, he came on the scene. He came into Jerusalem right before they crucified him. And he's examined by Pilate, who declared declares this is innocent blood. Uh, he is examined by the high priest. Uh, and even Judas, you know, Judas, uh, who Jesus called, you know, he said he had 12 and one of them was a devil, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, even Judas, who was a, a a devil, so to speak, had to testify in the case of Jesus. And he came back to the temple after he'd sold Jesus out and said, I betrayed innocent blood. And so, uh, you know, even the devil, I said, had to testify on behalf of Jesus that he was innocent. So he was qualified then uh, not to cover over but to take away the sin of the world. And uh, But what I, the main point I was making is that the sinner was not examined. The basis of our acceptance in the New Testament is not on the basis of how good we are but on the basis of how good our sacrifice is, because a perfect sacrifice uh, made us accepted in the beloved. And I think the tragedy is, Lori, is that we, uh, every week we, we, bring, we bring the sinner in, and we examine him, and we're looking for all his spots, wrinkles, and blemishes. And there's so many people that I believe, you know, would come to God. But they, their biggest thing, most time, anytime you talk to people who've not, you know, that, uh, you know, that don't go to church or whatever, they'll say, you know, well, I, I just can't live it. Uh, you know, I just can't live right. it. I can't live the life. Well, I say to them, welcome to the, welcome to the club. <laughs> None of yes, us can and, live and it. A lo- don't you, don't you think a lot of that is because, a lot of that is because the fear, fear is the motivation or, 
uh, the message comes from a place of fear instead of the, the place of love. And, you know, as you say in Romans 2, 2, 4, that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think we're trying to use an old way or an old covenant to bring people to the new one, and it's not working. That's absolutely the truth. And, you know, the thing is, Paul, that's what Paul addressed more than anything else is don't bring the mixture to it. Uh, You know, don't, you know, Galatians, oh, foolish Galatians, you started out in the spirit. Are you going to go back under the law to be made perfect? And then, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole book of Hebrews is written to keep uh, Hebrews from going back under Judaism and mixing law and grace, you know, once again, you know, people will say to me, uh, I've had it so many times, so many people say to me, uh, you know, Brother Haas, whenever uh, I get my act together, I'm going to come to church. And I say to them, if you're going to get your act together, it's just an act. God's not interested in actors. Oh, I love uh, that. You know, <laughs> and some <laughs> of us could win, a, you know, I don't know what it is, a Grammy, an Emmy, or an Oscar, whatever it is for, the, <laughs> for acting. But, you know, I mean, really, actually, the Bible, call, the, the word hypocrite, is translated in the Amplified Bible as actors on the wow. stage of life. And so Jesus called the scribes Pharisees and all these religious dudes and their parade of their works and labor, he called them actors on the stage of life. So, wow. you know, God's not interested in actors. He's looking for people who are genuine, who come mm-hmm. to God. And I, and I think, uh, amazingly enough, that uh, if, if, if we could just present a God to a world who's not mad at them, but he's mad about them, you know, he's, I said like this, Lori, he's like Forrest Gump. He'll take you back when all you got's one dying breath. But the tragedy of it is you could have lived a whole entire life of unconditional love and being accepted and embraced in the beloved because it's only in his presence uh, that there's any real change that transpires anyway. So when we come, I mean, to be the whole concept of rest is not that we become spiritual couch potatoes, but it, it, it suggests to me the idea that it's not me doing the work, it's him doing the work in me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I come to God and I, and I just come just as I am, you know, we used to sing that song and we still do some, but we sing just as I am without one plea. And, you know, uh, we, we sing that and to get people to come to an altar. And I said it like this, we don't mean that for a minute in most places because we're trying to tell them, yeah, God will take you just like you are, but as soon as we get them, you know, we're trying to manipulate and browbeat them and tell them how bad they are. But the truth right. of it is, he does take you just like you are. And yeah, so then you're he talk- declares, you're- you are my workmanship, created in right. Christ unto good works. In other words, he's the one that's doing the work. Uh, I right. used to, when I, my program would come on, one of the leads that we'd use in our program is I said, you know, if you work, God will rest. But if you rest... God will work, and, and I'd, I'd rather rest and let God do the work and trust him uh, to do it in me and through me than I would, because, I mean, we all come up short when we start measuring ourselves in the lifespan of most people once they get saved and come to church is about a year, year and a half, and they're completely worn out and burned out because they just can't do it, you know. Amen and, to that. So there's ahead. like a, there's a contrast, you know, mm-hmm. the one is of religion, you know, of trying to be a perfect person and trying to do the right things so that God will accept us. But it's opposite of that, where God accepts us and be, and what he wants is a relationship with us. Absolutely. So and, you know, it's out of that relationship. You know, anytime you're around anybody that you uh, have a relationship with, they're going to, they're going to change, you know, I mean, you know, 
you, you, uh, you, whatever group accepts you, basically, is you, you end up acting like that group, whatever group you know you're, you're around. But you know, when you find out that God really, really cares about you, and you really realize that He, listen, He's not trying to stay away from you. He's, he, he's head over heels in love with us, and He, you know, He has uh, made us, you know, uh, accepted in the beloved once again on the basis of what He's done, and not on the basis, you know, of what I've done. And uh, you know, I mean, to me, I think that's some pretty incredible stuff. I'm going to to see if I can find the scripture real quick here, but Hebrews 10 actually kind of tells us, um, you know, some things concerning that. Uh, In Hebrews 10, it says, uh, um, but this man, this is Hebrews 10, verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting to his enemies be made his foot so for by one offering here's the here's the here's the scripture text for what I'm sharing for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us for after that he had said before this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days saith the Lord I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now, he tells us a little bit above that in verse number 8. He said, above when he said, sacrificing offering and burnt offerings for sin, thou hast had no pleasure, neither hast thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. But he tells us then in verse 10 of Hebrews 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So we were sanctified on the basis of an offering. Uh, once, once for all, and then that same. And so then, as he comes on down through here, he says, "For then, by one uh, offering, he has not only sanctified but perfected forever mm. them that are sanctified." And you know, I always say it like this: that again, we're 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 accepted on the basis of the sacrifice of the perfect sacrifice. Of Jesus Christ, and so, and that's once for all. And uh, then, you know, he begins to go into the the tenets of the new covenant, where he says, "I will remember your sins and iniquities no more." You know, and um, you know, I, I, and I think that's just uh, something that that's just almost hard for us to wrap our heads around is the fact that right. God remembers our sins and iniquities no more. You know, one of the things I say a lot of times, too, is the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is the Old Covenant says, Thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. But the New Covenant, God says, I will, I will, I will, and I will. So the Old Covenant was about what you did. The New Covenant is about what he's done. So it's a tough thing. Yeah, it is. It's a tough thing, you know, for, you know, it's kind of sad, actually, that... Mm -hmm. We're so busy bringing up sin, and God's not bringing it up. Mm-hmm. He's already he brought it up once for all and took care of it. And exactly. You, you know, he said, I will remember them no more. I remember somebody told me a story one time about, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this woman was having, she was actually a Catholic lady, and she was having visitations. You know, uh, the Lord was visiting her, and so uh, he would visit her about the same time every day and was speaking with her and, you know, just... Uh, you know, he would come and, and visit her for about an hour each day, and so uh, the the church wanted to investigate and see if this was, you know, actually a legitimate experience. And so they sent a priest to, you know, to, to kind of uh, explore. And so this priest was asking her a lot of questions, and of course she seemed to be satisfying the questions that he was asking her. And he finally said to her, he said, well, you know, to, to finally, you know, to kind of just really prove whether this is true or not, 
He said, tomorrow, when he comes to visit you, when the Lord just, you know, moves and you have the visitation of the Lord, ask the Lord what sin I confess to in the confessional booth this particular day. You know, the priest is telling this woman that. And so, sure enough, you know, he comes to visit her and... Uh, and 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 he says to her, "What what did the Lord say to you about the sins that I confessed to in my confessional time?" And she said, "Well, I asked the Lord what sins you confessed to, and He told me He couldn't remember." <laughs> and I think that's powerful because the, you know He said, "I will remember them." No more. To me, that's the nail, man, uh, in the coffin, so to speak. Is that He says, "Listen, I, I don't remember your sins and iniquities. I removed them." As far as the east is from the west, you know, I, there's a song out that says from one nail-scarred hand to the other. And it is um, it's impossible for God to, uh, you know, once we've received that sacrifice and, 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 and identified with it, uh, it's impossible for him, you know, to hold our sin against us. That, I mean, that, that's really shouting stuff for me, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, exciting, that's really you know, good because stuff. so many people feel so disqualified, and you, you know, and then the, then the response is, people will say, "Well, you know, if that's the case, then we can just act any old way we want to." Well, that's that's the farthest from what we're saying. Then, you know, uh, that's not what we're saying at all. Is it's not that you can act any old way you want to. Uh, what we're saying is that when you come to God, you're going to have some weaknesses. You're going to have some failures. I don't care who you are. You're going to there's going to be some issues that are in your life. But the the rest of this. What brings us into this rest is when you come to the place where you realize, listen, if I could have changed myself, I would have. If I could have right. saved myself, I would have. But, uh, you know, I'm trusting him. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit in me to do the work. You know, I don't know how much time we got, but, uh, you know, let me say this as well. You know, when I look at these patterns, for instance, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were headed for the promised land, and interestingly enough, Hebrews 4 tells us that in the New Covenant, the promised land is not a piece of real estate, but it's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so he tells them uh, when they go, uh, you know, when they get ready to leave, they're, they're delivered by the blood of a lamb. Just, you know, I think that's a powerful picture. And then they're delivered at the Red Sea. They're delivered by water. So that to me is a picture of being delivered by blood. And then through the waters of baptism, we're delivered by, by water. But exactly 50 days after they came out of Egypt uh, into the wilderness, is at 50 days later, God came down on Mount Sinai and gave them the law. And when he gave them the law, exactly 50 days after they came out of Egypt, the Bible said that 3,000 people died that day. But in the New Covenant, when God, you know, Jesus was the true Lamb of God, and exactly, exactly 50 days later, which is the number for Pentecost, because when the day of Pentecost was fully come in Acts chapter 2, uh, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And this time, exactly 50 days after uh, Jesus had been crucified, God gives them the Holy Spirit and exactly 3,000 people are added to the church. So, you know, under the old covenant, the letter killed, but in the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. And I say to people, one of the most important things I can say to you is that uh, the comparison here is that the Holy Spirit is to the new covenant what the law was to the old covenant. 
So God doesn't give you a law you have to keep in the New Covenant. He gives you a life that will keep you. He gives you his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does the work in us. What a concept. Go ahead. (laughs) I just said, what a concept. (laughs) Yeah. And you know when it's, it's, it's man, you know it's, it's almost like you know I have in my office one of these staples buttons that says that was easy, and, <laughs> and it's easier than we've made it. We've made it so hard that that people yeah. stay away from it. But it's really you know I always tell people if it's too good to be true, it's probably the gospel. <laughs> yeah, will will the real gospel stand up? The real one's yeah. the one that we're attracted to. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is, again, you know, when you preach the Old Covenant, see, what you're doing is you're trying to overhaul and modify the behavior, you know, of an old man. But in the New Covenant, you're trying to develop and feed the new man. And so when you get born again, I tell people this all the time, when you get born again, you get regenerated. And I stress the word gene. Because you get a new, we be, then, then we're made partakers of a divine nature. We get a brand new DNA. And so, you know, our nature changes. It's, you know, I tell people that, uh, you know, I said, you know, have you ever tried to go back in sin since you've been saved? Of course, a lot of people have. And I said, did you find it wasn't as fun as it was before you got saved? And they're all, they almost laugh because they're like, yeah, you're right. Because, you know, you sit there thinking, I used to be the life of the party, but something in me says, this ain't me no more. And that's because it's not your nature to sin. Uh, you, once you receive Jesus, he changes your nature, and he begins to develop you and mature you, and it's just as natural of a growth as, uh, you know, as, as, as raising children would be, you know. It's, a, uh, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's the one element, and I think the reason a lot of pastors and preachers won't preach this is because they don't believe the Holy Spirit can really do what he said he can do. But I tell them this, if the Holy Spirit can't make these saints behave, all the church sheriffs you get in the world can't make them behave, you know. And so, you know, it's, it's God that works in us, both the will and the do of his own good pleasure. And that, that really shifts the responsibility and the focus, you know, uh, on him. And so, you know, I always tell people, if you're preaching the old covenant, you've got to preach the old man. But if you're going right. to preach the new covenant, the new covenant's written to the new man. And that's a vital, vital difference to it, you know. And so, uh, you know, that, that yeah. to me is just so, so incredibly powerful because then, you know, I trust the Holy Spirit can do what he says he can do. Yeah, I do too. You know, I love the, I love the thoughts about, you know, being a free, a free new man or feeding the new man mm-hmm. uh, instead of trying to um, revive an old dead one. <laughs> exactly. Or, or to um, continue to kill him, you know. Uh, you know what? Uh, we get question a lot of times. We get the question asked to us, you know. Well, uh, you know, I've got to kill my old man. I've got to kill my old man. But the Bible says that we were crucified with Christ. Mm-hmm. So your old man has been crucified, you know. And somebody said, "Well, you know, well, Paul quotes this scripture. He says, you know, I die daily. But you know, I, one of the things I stress all the time when I'm teaching is context is everything." Right. And so, you know, a, a text out of context is just a con. And what Paul was saying <laughs> there is not that I'm killing my old man. What he's saying is I fought with beasts at Ephesus. And what Paul is saying is, listen, I face physical death every day under the tyranny of this Roman government and from the religious sector because he was preaching a message that was absolutely, I mean, diametrically seemed to be opposed to, you know, what they'd preached for 1,500 years. He's preaching a freedom from the law, and he's introducing a new covenant, and he's saying, I'm facing physical death 
every day. And so we've used that one scripture to say, well, you know, we got to all the time be dying, you know. And uh, But really, in the New Covenant, it's not about dying. It's about living the resurrected life. <laughs> and that's the right. new man. That's Amen. the new creation. Yeah, and so that there's a whole we got a couple minutes left in this segment. Maybe in the in the last segment we can talk more about, you know, instead of believing or thinking about what does God require of us as far as what we do, uh, maybe we can talk about who we are just being and believing uh what he requires is that we just believe what he already did. Yeah. Um you know, so we got about two more minutes. Um I don't know if you want to you know, close up this segment on, you know, talking about what actually does happen when we get saved. So it's not a matter of, um, you know, basically we just become one with God, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, there's a union that takes place. You know, we, uh, you know, to be to be born again. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know. In other words, uh, we were all born with a sin nature. We, you know, and so uh, you know, as, as we were born with a sin nature in Adam, uh, that uh, it was our nature to sin. So we did what we did because that was our nature. But once we are born again, and we get, you know, the scripture said, "He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit." And so, you know, I, again, see people again. They think, you know, I think especially people who have have not heard the gospel of grace. Uh, they feel like, well, you know, I, I, I would go to church, but I, 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 you know, I can't give this up, or I, I can't that, or, or you know, once again, I can't live the life, and so, you know, they stay away from the house of God until maybe they're way up in years, and you know, they think, well, you know, now maybe I need to go so I can make heaven my home. But uh, really, the gospel to me is not just about it's not just about a ticket to heaven or a get out of hell free card. It's about living. Uh, the life of God in the kingdom of God right now. And so he wants to give you the abundant life. That's, that's, I mean, the gospel, that's why we call our TV program that you might have life is because Jesus didn't come just to give us, you know, after we've lived 70 or 80 years in misery, a ticket to heaven where one of these days we can be happy. He came to give us, you know, the abundant life. He said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. On and that so, note, Lynn, actually on that note, I apologize to cut you off, but we have to take a break and we'll come back and okay. talk more about believing. We'll okay. be back right after this. All right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show. The Sharon Kleina Hour. Health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
On the morning of August 5, 1962, the world awoke to the shocking news that Marilyn Monroe, one of the biggest icons in Hollywood history, had been found dead. What really happened that night? Join Nina Bosky as she seeks to uncover both the life and tragic death of Marilyn Monroe and what keeps her so popular over 50 years later. Good Night Marilyn Radio, live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Hospitality News Network for a look inside the travel, hotel, restaurant, and hospitality industry. Host Stephen Nicole and his guests will teach you everything you've wanted to know about this fascinating industry. Who knows? You might just want to change your own career path. At the very least, you might end up being a preferred customer. The Hospitality News Network is broadcast live every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to In It Together with Lori Lynn Green. Call during our live broadcast with questions or comments at our toll-free number, 1-866-472-5788, or email Lori anytime at info at laurilynngreen.com. Here's your host, Lori Lynn Green. Welcome back to In It Together. We've been talking to Dr. Lynn Hiles, um, the author of The Unforced Rhythms of Grace and also the internationally known show That You Might Have Life, and uh, Lynn Nato, who is my co-host, was talking to Lynn on the break about, you know, she she came from a background where she got saved, you know, believing that God would take her just as she was. And then she went to church and found out that that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, but Lynn, I wanted you, Lynn, Lynn Nato, I would like you to say what you said about Lynn over the air during the break. Well, I ju- just really that, um, you know, I received the grace of God, uh, uh, received a salvation through Christ, and then spent uh, the better part of, you know, 18 years bringing the law into my salvation, um, you know, just performing, just mm-hmm. performing, and if I do this and if I do that, and it's exhausting. <laughs> it's ex- absolutely exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah, that hardly that hardly yeah. sounds like a life that's free and light. <laughs> no, no, and that's see, that's the thing uh, is that people, you know, I say this: people have walked down a church aisle, and they trade one set of stress and problems for another one. Especially if we don't preach the real gospel, because what happens is you live a life of one victory and then one defeat, and one victory and one defeat, and. You know, I tell people I was raised, uh, be careful how I say it, I guess, but I was raised in classical Pentecost under what I call terrorist preachers. And when I say that, I don't mean the kind that strap a bomb to you. I'm just talking about uh, the kind that scare you every time you come to church, you know. And, uh, I mean, they would uh, they'd rear back and say, you want me to name sin? And by the time they were done naming sin, man, I thought, well, it's a good possibility that I'm lost. And I thought, you know, every time I'd just about get to the point where I was performing enough to feel like I was saved, uh, they'd come up with a new sin, you know, and half the stuff they preached, uh, you know, wasn't even in the scriptures. But what we do, uh, you know, is we pick and choose the parts of the law that fit our culture, and we call that the gospel. And it's not the gospel. In other words, I can remember they preached, especially when I was growing up in classical Pentecost, 
they would preach, you know, women don't dress in men's apparel and, you know, don't, uh, you know, just, I mean, but that was one of the main things I remember them preaching. Uh, and, and so, you know, when I got old enough, you know, I started thinking, you know, uh, and of course then they preached about, you know, men shouldn't wear short sleeve shirts and we shouldn't wear jewelry and you couldn't eat devil food cake, deviled ham, deviled eggs, none of that, you know, anything with devil in it. <laughs> I mean, everything was a sin. And so I went over to, uh, I call it the book of Deuteronomy because it's more about what you don't, Deuteronomy, <laughs> than you do. <laughs> and so just the humorous side of it. But uh, I started looking in there, and, man, you know, we pick uh, the, same, the same text that says women don't dress in men's apparel also tells us not to mingle thread in a garment with diverse kinds of threads. In other words, it's, if you mix wool and linen, uh, it was the same text that says women don't dress in men's apparel, but I never heard anybody ever preach against the polyester rayon blend, you know. <laughs> and the same text that, you know, that did that said you weren't supposed to touch a pig skin or, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, of course, Christians today, no you know, if you preach, I never heard anybody ever preach against eating ham or, or catfish because it was a bottom feeder, but all that stuff's in the law, you know, uh, how you trim the corners of your beard. But what we do is we preach the parts of the law that fit our culture, and we call that the gospel. But see, that's not the gospel at all. It is, uh, you know, it is, it is the wrong covenant. And, you know, and people say, well, uh, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, you know, not one jot or one tittle of the law will pass until all of it's fulfilled. And so they, they you know, people say, so, so Jesus taught, you know, that we're still under the law. No, what Jesus was teaching is it's in force until it's fulfilled. And uh, what I show people is it's like if I entered into a covenant with my bank, you know, to buy a car for $10,000, and the covenant is I'm going to make 10 payments of $1,000 a month for 10 months. And after the 10th month, when I make my final payment, I didn't do away with that covenant. I fulfilled it. And what we don't understand is that the death of Jesus and his crucifixion was complete and total payment for everything that the law could require so that God could stamp it. When Jesus said it's finished, God could stamp it paid in full and that this covenant could no longer make another legal demand on you. But here we are 2,000 years into the new covenant and people are still making payments on a covenant that's already been fulfilled. And, uh, you know, I mean, that would be, if I'm, if I'm 2,000 years from now still making a $1,000 a month payment on a car, somebody needs to slap me and tell me, wake up here a minute, you know. Uh, <laughs> you're trying, this has already been paid, you know. Jesus paid it all, you know. And to me, that's, that, that's the good news. I mean, you know, uh, we preach the word as anything but good news. And the only thing, you know, as we talked a little bit before we came back on the air, the only thing that's required in the New Covenant, the only requirement of the New Covenant is that you believe. And everything flows from that faith, you know. And everything flows from what you believe. In other words, if you believe you're righteous, uh, you act like you're righteous. If you believe you're, you know, the just will live by faith. If you believe you've been justified, then out of that justification, there, there's just an outflow of it. You know, it's so, it's, it, it is, again, the unforced rhythm of grace. And grace, then, again, is not just, you know, I, I, people say, well, y'all preaching that, that, they call it, they want to throw the word greasy in there all the time. You know, y'all preaching that greasy grace, you know, and, and you preach grace and people will sin. And the truth of it is, they, they call it cheap grace. And I tell them, no, 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 it's not cheap grace. We preach cheap law because the law, 
you know, when you preach the law right, Jesus was the only one that preached the law right. And he, when he came on the scene in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we don't understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the New Testament, but they're still in the Old Covenant. And so the, the scribes and Pharisees and the religious dudes had made the law manageable uh, because the purpose of the law was to conclude all under sin, but they'd made it manageable to make themselves look like they're holier than anybody else, and I thank God I'm not like that sinner. But when Jesus comes, in Matthew 5 especially, uh, you know, he, he preaches the law unwatered down, and he just, uh, you know, gives them straight law because he's trying to get every mouth to be stopped and all the world to become guilty. So he starts teaching stuff in, in Matthew 5, like if your eye offends, you poke it out. If your hand offends, you cut it off. And, you know, we, we want to spiritualize that part, but we don't realize, no, what Jesus was teaching was he was teaching them the law so that they could see that there's none of you making it here, you know, and that nobody has made it in. Not even Moses made it in by the works of the law. Uh, you know, if the mediator couldn't make it, you know, uh, you know, because the, what the law teaches is if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all of it. But what, you know, what, 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 you know, one of the things, the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free when he says stand fast in that liberty and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage is he's saying don't go back under that performance religion. He tells those Galatians, you know, stand fast in this liberty. It was for liberty that Christ set you free. And uh, so, but the only requirement that he makes to come back without chasing too many rabbits here is that he re- he simply says, you know, uh, that, that, that we, by faith we receive this, for with the heart man believes into salvation with the mouth confession is made. And so then he talks about it after, you know, after he talks about how he concluded all under sin so he could have mercy on all. Then he talks about how Abraham was justified by faith in the fourth chapter of Romans uh, outside of any works of the law. Before he was circumcised, before he did anything good, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. There's probably people, Lori, listening to us right now and they're thinking, man, you know, I, I, I've stayed away from the house of God, but I could do this because all you need to do is just receive and believe. And, you know, again, you know, I used to even give altar calls like this. I'd say, come to Jesus and give him your life. And, you know, I, I get that, and I think it's still probably a valid way to say it. But really, the new covenant's not about you giving anything. It's about you receiving. So That's now right. I say to people, and because, you know, truthfully, we don't really have a life to give him most of the time. We have a train wreck to give him. <laughs> You know, and, uh, you know, and, and he's saying to us, you know, I'm not asking you to give me anything. I want you to simply receive my life. And so now I give an altar call and say, come to Jesus and receive his life. Come to Jesus and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come to Jesus and receive your healing. Come to Jesus because he's a giver. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, but, but again, coming back again that, uh, to the, the whole idea of, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, if you teach that stuff, it's going to, you know, you teach greasy grace, it's going to cause people to sin. But actually, the book of Titus says, for the grace of God hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. So it's not law that causes us not to sin. It's actually grace that causes us not to sin. Grace mm-hmm. teaches us to deny ungodliness. And, uh, you know, grace is a teacher. And so, you yes. know, when we, you know, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, Paul says this in Romans 7 concerning the law. He said, I was alive once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Uh, so he said, if you want, you know, in other words, the commandment is what gave sin a revival. So the more you preach law, the more it creates sin. And then 1 Corinthians 15 says, for the law 
is the strength of sin, and it's what gives death a sting. But it's what we preach over American pulpits every week. It's almost like, uh, you know, the forbidden fruit. You know, you, you tell people, don't do this, and the first thing you know, that's the thing they're going to try to do. And so it stirs up in us, Paul said in Romans 7, that when the law comes, it stirs up all manner of concupiscence, which literally means all manner of desire. So, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not grace that's creating sin. It's law that creates sin. That's right. And, you know, and, Go ahead. We got a, we got about a little over three minutes left, so I just wanted to say, you know, you talk about receiving receiving His life. It's really a place of believing and receiving, mm-hmm. and and from that, that's where we do works. But a, a lot of times, the focus is on doing works and hoping He blesses it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you're talking about uh, having this relationship of receiving all that He has, and our life gives out from that. That's exactly right. You know, again, uh, like I said, uh, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, talk, talks about, you know, the promised land as being rest in Hebrews 4. And so, you know, it's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So if you get in Christ, you are in your spiritual promised land. But amazingly enough, God told them when they went into the promised land, he said, you know, um, he said that this is a land that flows with milk and honey. Right. And when we get in Christ... And in his finished work, and we trust that and we believe it, there's an outflow of milk and honey from our lives. In other words, there's an outflow. of This life simply flows out of our union with him and out of our faith. It's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's the unforced rhythm of grace, you know, and uh, uh, just by way of advertisement, if somebody wants to get a copy of it, of course, they can get it on Amazon.com, but they can go to our website at lynnhiles.com, uh, just my name, L-Y-N-N-H-I-L-E-S.com, and order uh, that book, uh, and uh, uh, it also tells you, you know, when our program airs on the church channel, if they want to follow us with more, uh, you know, uh, details on this, but, uh, you know, the life that we now live, we live it by the faith of the Son of God. We, we, it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it, it is a life that flows mm-hmm. out of this rest. And, you know, amazingly enough is that I've had more real change, Lori, in the climate of freedom than I ever had under all the pressure of me performance. Too. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, and, uh, and yeah, it we is can't. just, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, we can't give what we don't receive. And right. if we if we want to give our best or we want to give his best, uh, we really have to be in relationship with him and know him, believe what he said is finished and receive it. And, and you know, he says that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, resting with him. Yep. Um, so that's far above all the circumstances and stuff of life. So it's an inside out job, I guess you would say. Yep. Um, the, the the change has to happen in us before we can be a change to the world. Yep. And, um, you know, we got about a minute left, Lynn. Um, I'm going to give you the last minute to wrap up your final thoughts. Okay. Tell, you know, I know that you shared with people how to get in touch with you and whatnot, but I encourage people to listen to his programming um, that you might have life. Um, you can tell them more. Go ahead, Lynn. Well, it airs on the church channel, uh, which is Dish Network Channel 258, Direct TV Channel 371, and it's on a whole host of co- cable outlets. If you can't get it there, you can get all of it at YouTube and just uh, Google my name or put that you might have life on it. But in final remarks, you know, Paul said, don't be conformed, be transformed. 
the old covenant, you're conformed to the image, and the new covenant, you're transformed. One is from, conformity is from the outside in, and transformation is from the inside out. Uh, so make no mistake about it, those of us who preach grace are not saying that there's not change. What is in question is how that occurs. But what we're preaching takes the pressure off of you and puts the responsibility on him, and then it's an abundant life that's just a joyous journey in this covenant relationship with a God who's not mad at you, but mad about you. He's head over heels in love with you. So, Amen. And that's good news. So. All right. Well, that is good news. Thank you so much for being on today, Lynn. Uh, we got to wrap it up, but okay. hopefully we'll see you soon. Take okay. care. Thank you so God much. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. In It Together with Lori Lynn Green airs every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in next week and remember, we're in it together.